Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. You're listening.
listening to Trailer Rewind, a monthly conversation about movies you may have missed in theaters and are now available on streaming services. Every month we dig into the archives and view a film that Pete and Andy talked about in their trailer picks. JJ and I watch it and have a very spoilery conversation about it. Today we're looking at Cuban Fury. This was Pete's pick from April 4th, way back in 2014. Wow. And today is March 13th, 2018, and Cuban Fury is available on Amazon Prime at this time. It's about time. Four years. Can't speak to how long it'll be there. Uh, I know a lot of these movies bounce around, but as of March 13th, 2018, it is available for you on Amazon Prime. Before we go any further, you should check out our ever-expanding back catalog, not only for this show, but our sibling shows over at thenextreel.com. And if you've stumbled upon us, you can subscribe in your favorite podcast app or follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Next Reel. And whether you've just found us or you've been listening for a while, you can become part of our community as a patron on patreon.com slash the next reel gets you into our discord group where there's always a fun conversation about films. There's been just a raging debate about ready player one going on, whether it's going to be a fun movie or it's going to be a flaming piece of garbage from Spielberg. (laughs) So it's very interesting to see how things are splitting on, on the sides on that. When was the last time you put flaming piece of garbage from Spielberg? in one sentence together. I, I, I don't think I have. I don't either. I, so why is know, everybody so... I don't know. I'm very excited for that. But it's a great yes, conversation it, over there on Discord. It, it is. It is. And I think a lot of it has to do with source material. Concerns about sure. source material. Because it's... Sure. You know, there, there we go. Uh, but in addition to that, you also get exclusive Patreon-only weekly Saturday matinee episodes, which is the new home of trailer picks and lists and lists and lists. If you've been listening to our lists, you will know that we have now pigeonholed Pete into he <laughs> needs to include a Woody Allen movie every time on his list, which was quite challenging for him when we did vampire movies. So he, that, you know, he, he couldn't fulfill his obligations on that he, one. Uh, a Woody Allen movie every single time? Well, we Andy and I just, you know, we're not huge Woody Allen fans. And so Pete kept always just wanting to figure out how to f- get whatever Midnight in Paris into a list. And so he finally did. And he said, great, you just do that for every list now. You find a Woody Allen movie because he releases, what, like one a year? Plenty to choose from. Sure. So, but is that kind of like trying to get like a choice phrase into every show, like swamp radish, but put it in in like context, right? Woody Allen swamp radish thing. (laughs) I don't know. I think that's funny. So we've got him sort of stuck with with that, and he he failed, and I think he well he failed on the vampire. He did say sure. he thought there was in radio days, like in the background, there was something, and then this <laughs> past weekend he just he just flat out forgot. But I I I forgive him because he was getting over some nasty cold or something like that. But for next time, that's what hold that's him to what it. the actual story is behind Annie Hall is that she's a vampire. <laughs> No. I'm just well, the, the, then you get into theories. Yes, all the all the <laughs> theories about the sub, hidden subtext in Woody Allen movies. Right. We're spending far much t- too much time talking about Woody Allen. I'm not that big of a fan. <laughs> Me all right. So, so this one. So Cuban Fury. So I went back and listened. And Pete said that this was his pick of hope because it was a Nick Frost film. So he was very excited about that. And the other thing that he really keyed in on was that it was written by John Brown. And that was exciting for him because John Brown has had written several episodes of one of Pete's favorite shows, which was Misfits, which it's a British show. I have not seen. I watched a couple episodes. It's about a group of probation workers that get superpowers. So if you think of like hmm. 
low class, you know, you're, you're doing community service, you know, teens that are just that type that who's going to get stuck doing community service, you know, you're, you're troublemakers, you're rabble rousers. And now that those people have been given superpowers. And if you think about the whole concept of with great power comes great responsibility, here are the people that are worst equipped to be given something that requires responsibility. And Nick is associated with that. Oh, no, the, no. no uh, J- that's John Brown. John Brown. Is the, John's, yes, John Brown is the writer. So he was excited about what that sensibility may bring to this movie combined with Nick Frost. It was actually a concept idea from Nick Frost that John Brown wrote. So we've got the two those two minds working together to bring us Cuban Fury. <laughs> This film just felt very different from other movies we've discussed. I sort of scrolled back to look at what we've discussed. And the closest thing I could find to a romantic comedy like this would be back in May 2016 when we talked about Comet. Oh. I don't know that I'd call I don't know that I'd call Comet necessarily a romantic comedy because there was a lot of other things going on there, but it's probably the closest thing that we've done to a romantic comedy. So we're we're getting into territory that's I think more mainstream than a lot of the other stuff we've done. So I thought that may be an interesting starting point with this. We've got a film that's sort of in a known genre where there's certain expectations of what a a romantic comedy does. And so I thought we'd start with how well for you did this fulfill what your expectations were for a romantic comedy. Well, now that's interesting that you put it in that category because I didn't even really think of it as a romantic comedy when I was watching it. And I'm not, I will say I'm not a huge fan of the romantic comedy genre. So that is interesting. I felt like it was a uh, absurdist look at a clever, funny dance. It was almost like a situation comedy put into a film that did have the element of romance in it. Because I think, you know, I guess... If I'm objective about it and I think about the story, yes, he went back to dancing for the girl, right? He went back to dancing. Nick Frost went back to dancing for Rashida Jones. But the, but the thing that I found to be the more compelling storyline is how, um, you know, really the narration at the beginning when they're talking about that this was a kid who had talent, who had the fire. He had the corazón. A <laughs> corazón. I don't. <laughs> so it's Cuban. So th- this is the thing. So they they speak with Castilian um, Spanish <laughs> when they talk about heart, yes. Corazon. But it's cute. I don't. Is that really? I mean, maybe because they're in England, right? They're in England. That's the idea. Yeah. So they maybe they picked up their Spanish from from Spain. So they're saying I don't know, but that was something that they said every time it was El Corazon. I was just thinking, wait a second, this is a this is <laughs> okay. a different. I'm trying to understand the Spanish. No, but the point that I guess was was that he had heart, he had fire, he had all these things, and I thought it was more of a. Um, sort of uh, a guy coming back, maybe a fish out of water story, and then kind of like getting his mojo backstory. And it, it it did involve a romantic tie-in, but honestly, nothing really happened with the romance until the end credits rolled, other than, you know, the sort of, I guess, Silver Linings playbook aspect of the big dance number. But, um, but I, I just think, in general, I didn't feel like it was such a romantic comedy as much as it was a story about a guy who was going through this thing where he got bullied and he gave up his 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 love which was dance so um yeah so what about it made it super romantic for you so for me i i'm i'm a fan of really good romantic comedies like things like Notting hill that just really you know solid character pieces and there's some of the lighter ones that i will you know that 
sort of like guilty pleasures. And so I, I'm looking for certain things. You've got the the meet cute. They bump into each other. They're little lanyards and we're get, getting tangled. And, you know, hers has, you know, for whatever reason, has a typo that her name instead of Julia is Julio. So they have that Julio. So, you know, you've got that little moment together with them that, you know, you know, he's he's falling for her. That's his boss, and it's his whole quest to to get the girl. But of course, then there's his his coworker, uh, Chris O'Dowd, who is going to get in the way because he's you know the ladies' man. So we've got that quest of <laughs> is that what you he know, is? Do we call <laughs> well, him a ladies' man? Well, let's just I say think... he thinks he's the ladies' man. Wow, we can just say he thinks yes. he's the ladies' man. Disgusting of, human of the... being. <laughs> Yes. Ugh. So the, so you've got that sort of I guess it is a bit of a twist on it but you do have the the boy seeking girl and some obstacles get they get in the way and a a misunderstanding uh but I guess rather than something going wrong with their late relationship to send them apart you've got another person that's that's keeping them apart and ultimately at the end you've got everything comes together happily ever after in the yeah. end. But I I do agree that yes the main thrust of the story really is about him and sort of getting back to the thing that sort of defines him or his, as his sister tells him the, the one thing that he's ever really been good at. <laughs> and, and I think as we see the, the one thing that really brings him joy and sort of rediscovering that part of himself. Now that was so. a great bit though. The one that you're bringing up there. I mean, when she, it tells him that's the one thing and then he goes into the list the list is hilarious and goes i mean honestly it felt like a, a good saturday night live sketch or something where he just keeps going down this list of kind of hilarious things to be good at uh, th- that that's one of the things about this is that it, the pure comedy moments of this movie were really fun and were really funny i actually liked it i liked that part so now are you going to stop dancing i was only doing it for a were you So what, you're going to give it all up again? The only thing you're good at? Literally the only thing you've ever been good at that wasn't shit and totally pointless. Oh, okay, fine. Here we go. Just off the top of my head. Quizzes. Carving Sunday roasts. The Rubik's Cube. The Rubik's Sphere. The Rubik's Snake. Flags of the world. Driving abroad. Famous dams. Identifying dogs by their silhouettes. You know? African money. I could go on. You're wasting your life. What do you know? You are 35 years old and you are working as a hula girl. Oh, sorry, no, hula woman. Oh, I really connect with this because it is of a certain, it's clearly for a specific generation because there are so many references to the 80s. Yeah. So, I mean, even with, you know, his brother and sister, when they're, when they're kids, you know, they've got their little phrase to get them going and, you know, they bring that back later on of thunder, thunder, thundercats. Oh, and there's just so much of that that, is that nostalgia factor that it's not it's not just oh i can identify with these characters because we're a similar age but we've got those cultural touchstones that just it's a, it's a cute primer for ready player one yeah. there <laughs> there you go exactly it's it's going to get all your your 80s out of the way right um so th- there's that that part of it is the, the romantic comedy piece uh, and you've got you know the whole part with his friends you know, and, and trying to explain, he's got this hidden side of himself. Uh, you know, they're not understanding why he's getting into dancing. He's doing it for the girl. So I guess it's not the stereotypical romantic comedy, but 
I guess in the context of everything else we've been talking about on Trailer Rewind, this seems so much more of a traditional and conventional film genre than everything else we talk about. Sort of, Very I much could so. say, you I know, agree. this is this is something that. I guess rather than oh this is a hidden gem because it's not it's not something that's going to come across your radar. I think this is one I'm just worried got overlooked because maybe of the distribution or whatnot. Because I think everybody you know Nick Frost is a recognizable face. You've got Ian McShane. You got you have and Rashida Jones. You have recognizable faces. And a lot of our other films we we may have some recognizable faces, but not always. And I just guess I felt this was more accessible to people where this is something you could easily sit down with family on a weekend or on a Saturday afternoon. It's light and it's fun. That's my joy about this movie. I I was pleasantly surprised with this because there's so many times a romantic comedy can just fall apart or become so cliche. And it did so many fresh things with the characters, their relationships with each other is a a great cast, just a really different take on the story. Cause so many times in these romantic comedies, it's like, Oh, he's the advertising. It's like everybody works in like advertising because it's like (laughs) a job you can do. It's it's, you're, You're creative. You're apparently making enough money that you can just do whatever. Like, Hey, we're going out on the yacht for the weekend. You know? So this was, you know, different because he's, you know, sort of like cubicle farm guy. He's working, you know, not an exciting industry. He's a machinist. Um, he's not your typical, you know, romantic lead either. It's, it's Nick Frost. He's a bit of a big guy. Uh, so it just, it played with the genre so much and did it in fresh ways that I found it sort of invigoratingly in, in enjoyable. See, and I think it's a special movie too. I think it's one of those that you could possibly discount because you maybe have not heard of it. Be, be, and you'll see the names in it and you'll say, oh, this might be a toss away movie that they that they got together and make. But I, it's actually a really, really good movie. It's a great stream. I mean, honestly, if you come across this in a stream and you just pick it, um, you know, by by chance, you're going to be very, very happy that you picked this movie because it's really fun and endearing and special. I will say, and I don't want to jump ahead a little bit, but you mentioned that this would be something fun for the family. The, I, I'll jump ahead to the part that I that I didn't like in the movie, and that's um, you know the the Drew character, the Chris O'Dowd character. He's pretty raunchy. Yes, I I, I mean I agree. How with you would there, you feel yes. about with your daughter? Like in general, that was my concern. <laughs> is that in the in the movie's really light and special and fun, and then this guy comes in and he's told he makes everything uncomfortable, which is what he's supposed to do. I mean, Chris O'Dowd does a great job of playing a terrible character, but it it took me out of the movie because it was so grotesque to some at some points that I just didn't, yes. I mean, I made my skin crawl and I was like, what are they doing? Why are they doing this? So, um, how did you feel about that? Was there stuff in there that, 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 that bothered you there too? Or did you really think that you could share this with the whole family? Yeah. The, I, I, this is He's the second time crap. I've seen it. He's such a crap. <laughs> yes. I don't know so what else the to second say. Time I've seen he it. Bo- in the, he made me yeah. so angry. <laughs> the first time that it was, I will say the first time I watched it, Yes, it, it was uncomfortable and shocking because I expect a typical romantic comedy to sort of toe that PG-13 line. This one's rated R. And yeah, I think it's 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 definitely Drew and his raunchiness because he's just saying things that are are just so offensive and crude. And normally I'd say, you know, oh, it, that's not necessary. You can cut that out. You don't need that. You know, why are you doing this and making it so that you, you know, going to make it awkward for me to sit down and watch this with either my kids or like, you know, families over for Thanksgiving. This is not something that's going to be comfortable to, to watch because of that. But to me, it does, 
it does contribute to the humor because I think it gets to his character of he's just so full of himself that he thinks he can get away with these things. And ultimately, I think he 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 gets his come up in a, a bit in terms of his his quest to get Julio, yeah. Julia. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Have we ever I, talked about my Ben Stiller problem? Have we ever talked about that on the podcast? Are you familiar with No, that? no. What is your so, Ben Stiller so problem? So Ben Stiller, I, I love Ben Stiller. I think he's fantastic. But I, I really like movies where he plays character. I really like Zoolander and movies like that. I have a lot of difficulty with the movies where he plays an everyman and he's constantly beat up in more and more entertaining and creative ways. So like, I, I totally understand where you're saying this about Chris O'Dowd, but I apply the Ben Stiller problem to this in that when he's being so cruel and so graphically cruel to Bruce, to Nick Frost, all I, I just put myself in the Nick Frost character and I'm just like, oh, it's not, I can't get to funny. It's so awkward and so uncomfortable that I just feel terrible for Bruce. So I think most people can handle movies like Meet the Parents. I can't do it because I just want him so much to just have a fair shake at life. And this, this character, and in this movie, it's not about the, you know, sort of the forces of life swirling around Bruce that are making things bad. It's it, it, for the most part as an adult it's this guy who's potentially the adult incarnation of the bullies that took him out of dancing in the first place but you know which is kind of clever when you think about the story but it's so intense and it was just so much for me i can see why most people might be able to just take that lightly and just be like ha 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 he's a he's a silly funny bully thing but for me i was just like I, I wanted to be, I, I wanted to stick up for Bruce constantly. And so it was really tough. It took me out of the movie because he was so mean and cruel and gross. Oh, so gross. <laughs> okay. So, well, yes. So in your identification with, with Bruce. Yeah. When he went, so there's a point where he, he decides to, to get back, you know, to put the tiny shoes back on and, and go back and learn some salsa. And he tracks down his former mentor, Ron, Ron Parfit, uh, played by Ian McShane. And, We've got from the whole sort of like opening prologue piece that shows us, you know, that Bruce was this superstar, you know, they made it all the way to nationals. And so now later on, he's, he still has this confidence that, yeah, I'm, I'm still good at this. And he walks in to the studio and Ron is just like, yeah, you know, he puts him in, puts him in a really awkward, embarrassing situation says, oh, you think you're, you think you're all that and pairs him up with the current like champion. And to me, that was just like this humiliating moment for Bruce. Yes. Was, did that, did that have a similar impact on you in terms of your emotional, you know, connection with Bruce there? That's a really good question. Not as much. I'm going to say not as much because I recognize that whole scene, especially when he first meets Bijan, when he first meets Bijan and he kind of treats him poorly because of his kind of, he walked into it overblown. And we see that character go through his, I guess, some sort of arc from being overblown to then becoming humble and then working his way back. So we get that whole thing for Bruce. So in that moment, no, because I wanted him to start with the fundamentals or, you know, begin the montage, begin the romantic comedy montage of, of, of salsa <laughs> dancing, which I don't know that they actually did in this film, but, yeah, there, but the, there, there is a training montage. Arms with, of an Eagle, right, arms with, of an Eagle with Ron later on. Yeah. That's <laughs> yes, great. Yes. Uh, yeah. Arms of an Eagle. What did he call me? He didn't call him an Eagle. He called him another bird. There was lots of great little clever yeah. things like that in this movie, but um, yeah. So not so much in that instant, but of course there's no arc for Drew. Drew's just, he's a crap. He's a crap throughout the movie. <laughs> Let's cast Chris O'Dowd and just make him a crap. 
Yes. Which, I mean, well, it, yeah, it's tough, too, because that, he's true. kind of a likable guy. Yeah. That's one of the weird things, too. I was conflicted in that because, I mean, you think about him in, like, Bridesmaids and stuff, and he's this he plays the reverse role in movies like that. So he, he was a great movie for him, but he, he was not a likable character in any way. No, no, and I think that's credit to, to him, you know, to... You know, we because we recently talked about him on the film board in Molly's Game. Um, yes. You know that you know as a character who's just you know this really likable guy and you know this <laughs> the lovable drunk whose first sentence always sounds like the, the uh, Raymond Chandler novel title <laughs> to, to you know this yeah. really sweet guy. Yeah, and here Drew is just yeah he's he's the worst. He's a he's a piece of crap <laughs> that just is. Yeah, I think you're right. He embodies every every bully that anybody ever ever had. And that's where this story gets really creative. I mean, honestly, there are a lot of neat pieces to this story and the things that you you know in a poorly executed romantic comedy you may feel like you're being railroaded into the story where they're using analog tapes and making a mixtape and he's putting kind of a hidden message on the inside of the inlay this kind of stuff you know these are things where you'd feel like hey that's kind of deus ex machina but it was it was executed in such a a, a clever light way in this story that I actually felt it was just good writing. I, I never at one, I never at any point in the film felt like, Oh, they're setting me up. Cause it, it, unless it was Drew, who was clearly like a terrible, <laughs> like foil at every turn, everything else was kind of done in a clever, nice uh, sort of uh, uplifting way. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I didn't see the, you know, the plot and story being moved and see the pieces at work. Cause yeah, it's sort of a throwaway thing of, you know, Bruce tries to do something nice for, for Julia. He makes her the mix, the mixtape, which was nice to see somebody put together old school mixtape, like get the record, get it going, get the song record. Then, you know, every, just the amount of time, I think it goes into that process. Whereas nowadays it's like, Oh, here, I'll make you a playlist. It takes me five seconds on Spotify. You know, it shows that commitment to the, the effort he put in. And then she even comments, you know, Our later kids on. Are about, never going to understand that, Steve. No, I, I know. Kids are never going to know what you're talking about, but I love it because I lived that life too. <laughs> then even the lettering, you know, of like each song yeah. on the, just the little bits of flair and everything on Quality the inlay. Yes, time, exactly. So, but the fact is, you know, he, he slips that into her purse, you know, Drew sees it, you know, gets, the credit for the for the tape and everything thinking that's going to be his his in with julia and i think okay that's just one more thing of how drew is continually undermining bruce but then at the end when it's she you know takes the tape out and unfolds the inlay and sees that it's from bruce i was like oh okay there was another function to that i didn't i did that wasn't telegraphed for me that there that was going to be the reveal of oh bruce is the guy Bruce is the guy that, you know, she should be with. That, you but know, I mean, he understands this, this movie came out in 2014, even in 2014, yeah. to have an analog tape player yeah. in your car. <laughs> that's that's, yeah. that's pretty, pretty, um, that, that's pretty telegraphed. <laughs> there's, you, uh, there's a reason yeah. why that's happening for sure. Yeah, I guess. I guess there is. Yeah. So we've, the, I mean, the cast is, I think, works really well together. I, you know, I think everybody's bringing great game to this ian mcshane as ron is just you know <laughs> they give him such a, they give him such weird quirks the whole uh the 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 the, the uh, board game thing where he's 
<laughs> where they're but playing it, and it's it's the, the trivia questions and then it's like oh that one's purple you've got to they did that to bring that one in out. the Pacino the, the Pacino yeah. impression Impre- which you've got to do the impression Cuban, yeah and I mean that's the thing <laughs> yes. like in a in a lesser movie we would have hated these things we'd have been like oh of course they're playing board why would they be playing board games it's because they're setting up these great things you know say hello to my little friend like they did it they did it and it it led us through the movie it was it was well done you're sounding like you really enjoyed this one. Is that what you're telling me? I did. And, you know, one of the people that we want to talk about, too, is Olivia Coleman. She played the sister. Oh, yes. She, so now we know her from Lobster in trailer. We rewind. Oh, that's right. She yes, was the big do. bad lady in yes. Lobster. How <laughs> yes. great was it to see her in a different kind of role? And, like, uh, honestly, she was my favorite character in the whole movie because she was, you know, she had a real sort of very straightforward, uh, stereotypical personality, but she delivered it well. And I was... I so, you know, we were on this journey with Bruce the whole way. And, you know, you think about his sister. She performed with him, too, when he was a kid. He left her at the Nationals to perform, you know, by himself. So it was really nice nice to be able to cheer for her, too. Oh, yeah. That was, you know, I think I was really torn at the end because when we get to the big show and the big competition, it's, you know, it's Bruce and his sister, Sam. It's the two of them working their way through all of the you know, elimination rounds to, to get to like the semifinals there. Now, I guess the one, the one little issue I do have with the film is so much of this. I think it's like the last half hour of this film all takes place like in several hours. So we go from Bruce showing up at Julia's apartment, you know, to, to invite her with him, which is supposed to be the business dinner celebrating this thing. And Drew hasn't invited Bruce or Helen. And it's his, attempt to you know get with with julia with julia so bruce leaves then he decides no i'm gonna go to the salsa competition he he goes to the salsa competition and but then he's like then he leaves it, there's so many things going on i don't know how either they're in a weird time warp or just the neighborhood is so small that he can clearly get from julia's apartment to home to like the the golf driving range and then back to the salsa competition all while everything's happening i forgot about the golf driving range in there yeah yeah there's a lot that they pack in there but that's that that key moment where sam convinces him like hey you've you've got to do this you know why are you why are you here you've got to go and do the one thing that you love and there's just so much and then you know give that gives julia time to discover the who made really made the mixtape and get changed and all that up to, first to, to show up for the out big the terrible sexual harasser assaulting person in her house. Yes. So there is, <laughs> yeah. that's the one thing is that it seems like there's a, cause as I was watching the second time he mentioned like, Oh, that's tonight. And I thought, Oh my gosh, all these things have to happen. Like how, how late does this competition go? Maybe it is like ending at two or three in the morning. They're going that late. I don't know. Cause I thought how many elimination rounds did they go through? through you know what before they get to the finals so there there is a a time issue but i'm willing to let that go because i just have have so much so much fun and this the second time through i have to say i fell in love even more with the character of bijan and all his love for all things 80s yeah at first i wasn't sure what his function was and then i realized no he's he's the mentor for bruce because the first time they're going to go out and bruce is wearing 
what he's wearing, he's like, oh no, you cannot go out like this. You've got to shave your chest. You've got to get the tanning stuff on. You've got, you know, he, he gives him his little makeover yep. to be, you know, what he needs to be. You know, they go through the whole thing of like, you know, you've got to wear the linen plant pants and the silk shirt and, you know, these socks because you don't want to get blisters. Who likes blisters? Pilgrims. Apparently pilgrims like blisters. <laughs> but, you know, so that whole thing in his, you know, obsession with Fanta or what is it? It's distilled Fanta. And it's oh, like so weird. <laughs> Yeah. They don't make distilled Fanta. He's like, yeah, you open it, you leave it on the balcony for two for two days, and then it's distilled Fanta. So. Oh yeah, and I don't think he's saying distilled. I think he's saying still. <laughs> oh, still, still, still. Fanta. Yes, he just lets still. it go flat. Yes, there That's we what go. He does. <laughs> so, but I just love that character even more this yeah. time around he because is. I he's thought he's just a great, great comic relief. And this one, so yeah, it just, and then we also mentioned uh, uh, Rory Kinnear as. Uh, you know, Bruce's uh, friend Gary, Gary you yeah. know, who who stumbles upon, you know, Bruce and Bajana thinks there's something suspicious going on at bath time. Um, but yeah, there's just, a, I think, all these little bit pieces. To me, it's one where there's enough story, enough character that there's some variety to it that just keeps me moving along nicely. There was the only one bit that didn't hit for me, and that's when Drew and Bruce have their knockdown drag out dance war in the parking garage for the love of Julia. And the reason why I didn't like that is because we hadn't established yet that Drew was actually a dancer. We just had established that he was a crap. So for them to like do that and it kind of took like a moment out it, it, it actually kind of felt like it was a parallel universe in the film. I kind of compare it to like uh, in the Anchorman movies where you have the TV news crews having their brawl. Like that's yes. how it felt but that's not how it was set up nor delivered. So that part really took me out of the film i i had i mean maybe it was what would we say maybe three or four minutes long maybe not even that long but it was it it was a good amount of time and it was long enough for me to sit in the moment and go what's happening here it what why are we doing this and i didn't find it particularly funny either so that was a difficult part because i feel like they were trying to set that up as either a big emotional crisis or a big turning point in the movie and it ended up just feeling like something that was kind of nonsensical and not there for any particular reason. I feel like you actually could have probably taken that that part out of the movie and not and very little would have changed for me. So that 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 particular scene was really confusing for me when I look at the whole movie. In terms of Bruce's arc, I think the reason it's in there is to give us a bigger defeat when he shows up at Julia's apartment because he's he's just battled Drew basically for the right to, you know, like I, you know, She's going to pick me. And, you know, it's, Drew's like, fine, if you win, I'll, I'll back off. And he's not anyway, right. but I he's think lying, it's, you know, like he always does. Yeah, Cause he's like, a he always does. So it gives, it gives Bruce that confidence so that then when he goes there and Drew, sees, you know, Drew there in the background without pants. Yes. Which was, yeah, not pleasant to see at all. Uh, that it's a, it's a greater, you know, disappointment and fall for him because at his highest moment now, there is the big fall. And I think that's, the reason that I can point to, because I, I do agree it tonally, it doesn't really fit in. It seems like it could have, it was maybe like this clever idea of like, Hey, this would be fun to do. Yes. But it just doesn't really fit. But I, that's the, that's the rationale. I can see where it, it does something for Bruce's character. Plus you do get the, you know, nice little, you know, cameo from Simon Pegg there in the parking lot. Right. Exactly. As he's, as he's driving through. Connected to the production family. That's a good. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, I, I can see that. It's, and I think maybe the other piece is if you're going to name a movie Cuban Fury and it's about salsa dancing, you've got to have a dance, you've got to have dance, you know, 
appearing regularly throughout, and it had been a while since a dance sequence, so we got a, a really big... And it's big, a fury, so you've got to have a dance fight in some yes, way a, or another. A, a, oh. a dance fight, a very acrobatic dance fight. Exactly. Exactly. Destroy a car a little bit at yes. it when you're at it, too. I I never thought about that about you know how destructive it would actually be to jump up on top of somebody's car very and, destructive and, and dance and yeah it's it's yeah you don't want to dance on on her car <laughs> so okay so overall you know I think we're in agreement that this was an enjoyable one it's yes. got a few a few issues I, I'm not going to rank it as like one of my top romantic comedies of all time but I think it's it's fresh and surprising and fun with a little bit of crudeness that could be a little off-putting for some people yep so when i think about this when we come back to who who are you going to recommend this to what you know we we spent so much time with like dark disturbing movies so it's (laughs) you're going to bring this one people are going to be like what what but yeah where do you you know as as someone that's not a huge fan of the romantic comedy is this a movie you're going to recommend to people and what would you say, oh, if you like this type of thing, you, this might be right up your alley? I do recognize that most people aren't as sensitive, as sensitive about the crude stuff as I am. So that, so that in general, I'm going to recommend it to more people than, than not. I would just be concerned with people who wanted to make it a family film like we talked about. But I will say, so you, you and I both know that I drive um, Lyft and Uber at night uh, sometimes to do this. So last night, so I watched the movie on Sunday night. Last night I drove a woman home from the airport, from the Portland airport, who was from Argentina and, but was coming back from LA where she had spent four nights salsa dancing in different mm. places in Los Angeles. Awesome. And I immediately brought up this film. So when I think about it, who am I going to recommend it to? People who really dig or dug like strictly ballroom, uh, movies that were about dancing, movies that, uh, that, that are funny and clever and have that sort of, it's a special thing about music and what music does to you and your creative passion, if that's something that's there. And that's another reason why I asked about your kids too, because I know that your kids are involved in dance. So it would be something that you would definitely want to show them if you were comfortable doing so. Uh, is there a different kind of person that you'd recommend the movie to? No. And I, I can say, I think maybe, I think it was the yeah the first time, we watched it. I think my younger daughter, uh, who is who is the dancer, she was like she was sick with the flu or it was something, and her whole sleep schedule is off. And it was like eight thirty on like a Friday, and she was like up. And I was like, you know what? You just need something fun and light. And I put this on, and I was like, I'm gonna be okay with the crudeness because I'm hoping she's got enough, you know, antihistamine stuff in here that it, she's a little hazy, <laughs> may not may not remember, but I know she's gonna she's gonna laugh and enjoy the dance parts of it and she did and because she is my sort of gore horror fan ah, sure. somewhat she, she's you know seen she had seen it. had seen Shaun of the dead so right. you know you know the whole nick frost thing with that one cool. as well so yeah so yeah i'm i'm comfortable with that because like they're they're teenagers i'm in a place where i i, I know she's hearing this or worse at school probably right. regularly so i'm not, i'm not gonna you know live in you know, be oblivious to that. So yeah, this, this is one it, where it could be a tool. You could find the Drew, the Chris O'Dowd Drews that are <laughs> plaguing your daughter's middle school or high school. Reveal some of the real crap go. stuff that's going the real, on. The real craps that are out there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> These are the guys to stay away from. Or as he says, what is it? You're, you're the, you're the guy that the nice girls go to talk to about guys like me. Oh, to get advice about guys like me. Get advice about guys like me. Such a terrible line. Oh, just goes to the heart of me and Bruce. (laughs) 
So yeah, I, that's I think just being sensitive to people that may be a little put off by the crudeness. But yeah, I'd, I'd say this is one that I, if I know them really well, know their sense of humor, I'm going to easily recommend this as something fun to see. So yeah. Yep. So how about we talk about where it fell on our lists and how we've ranked it? Because this is a romantic comedies are always an interesting one because they they don't have a lot of substance to them. So right. in terms of you know weightiness or importance, it sort of will always struggle in those. But I often find rewatchability is also another factor in ranking something high because I know yeah this is highly rated because I'll watch it you know three times within a year because I just want something light and fun and funny. So yep. these are always a challenge for me to rate and rank. Yeah, and it was for me too. And I mean, my middle road, so Flick Chart starts with the middle road being your movie in the middle. That's where it, you you basically create a toggle for whether it's going to be in your top half or bottom half as it's a tournament. And my m- movie that's in, in the middle for me is True Romance, which is a really tough film to, to, to rate against things. And to have True Romance against Cuban Fury was super tough. So Cuban Fury ends up in my bottom half, but ends up next to some movies that I really like that are in my bottom half, even though it feels terribly low. The number where it is on my flick chart is 127 out of 169. It's just below Odd Thomas, which is another trailer rewind movie that we've done here. And just above Murder on the Orient Express, which is a show that we did for the film board uh, last November. I find it to be a wonderful movie. And I think, you know, uh, definitely I think you make a good point about rewatchability. This is a movie that's going to be super easy to watch again, especially if, you know, you have someone that you just want to bring some light to their life. Um, And it's a good movie for that. But unfortunately, because of it's comparing it to all these other movies that just are, are not fair, they're flick chart hate crimes, but it, it, it ended up in that lower slot for me. I had the same problem where it hit something solid sort of at the middle. Right now, uh, my my middle break point there is uh, Brooklyn, the okay. uh, Sir Sir Ronan yeah. film from a, from a couple of years ago. And, it, and that one, again, a fun movie, but it had some, some drama to it that just I couldn't get past that with this one because, yeah, it's light and silly. And there there are a few things I just couldn't say better than Brooklyn. But it did hover sort of in that that top half and ended at uh, 158 of 306. Oh, and that right puts, in the it, puts it yeah. in a really, really weird spot. It puts it just below Martha Marcy May Marlene, the Elizabeth Olsen one where she's been abducted by a cult. Okay. And then just above <laughs> uh, the very strange uh, Netflix film. I don't feel at home in this world anymore, which is just a really disturbing, dark comedy. So it fell in this really that weird is spot. Weird. So, but it's right there. I feel it's in a good place. It's in the, you know, I think it's at 48%. So just below the halfway point, which I feel, feel good about it. And then over on Letterboxd, I ended up at, at three stars. I feel it's a really solid three star, maybe leaning towards three and a half, but I'd say I'm confident that I just say this is solid three, not you know, not going to be for everybody, not great, but still thoroughly enjoyable. You and I are the same on that. It's three and a quarter for me, just like you're talking about, and uh, a solid three and and a like for me on that. Okay. Well, I'm wow. I'm excited. We had we had a fun one. We've we've had some some darkness and everything. So I'm I'm glad we've got something light. It's like it's springtime is around the corner. It seems like right. perfect timing for this. Get to, some spring in our step. Get some spring in our step. So, well. You know, we say here when the movie ends, the conversation begins. And I, I really enjoyed talking with you about Cuban Fear. I'm, I'm glad you would, you'd enjoyed it as much as you did. But it's time to start another movie. 
So what have you got coming up on your list? What are you well, I'm not sure on? exactly. I've got, you know, I've got my theater life and I've got my home life in terms of movies. And I really hope to catch A Wrinkle in Time because it just came out last weekend. But I don't know that I'm going to see that before Ready Player One. And that's, you know, the next movie for us on the film board. That's the last weekend in March. And I am super geeked about Ready Player One because I loved the book. Um fully understanding the criticisms that are coming out about it in the sort of nostalgia porn. People talk about it as nostalgia porn and how it may not be as deep a book, but I, it was such a page turner for me and it was so fun that I'm really, the fact that Spielberg's attached to it, I'm just, I think it's going to make for a great, a great movie and for a great podcast for us to talk about as well. So that's what I'm going to see in the theater. And then I'm currently, what I got from the library, I got Battle of the Sexes, which is um, uh, about Billie Jean King and um, yes. the, the tennis match that she played in, I think it was in the seventies. Is that right? And then, uh, and then I found a blank spot. Someone had re- re- uh, recommended Harold and Maude to me mm. as kind of like an original oh, wow. comedy kind of thing. So I've got those two um, that I'm kind of watching at home. What are you? Oh, uh, what's on oh, your man. slate? I, well, I'm, I'm so jealous. You get to see Harold and Maude for the first time. First time. Yeah. That, yeah. That, I mean, that's, about there's, there's some movies like you, like that first time experience of like discovering something. It can be just, I'm like, oh, I never get that experience again. Right. And Battle of the Sexes, I, I did see that in theaters and it, it's, it, it's all right. Yeah. It didn't give me everything, but I, I think it's, I think the, the performances from Steve Krell and uh, Emma Stone really, that's really solid. Transformational. Yeah. Transformational. Um, for sure. I, I'm still trying to get out. There's some stuff out in the theater. I did get a chance just on Sunday. I did get out to see Annihilation. So I was really thrilled to see that on the big screen. Just really messed with my head on that (laughs) one. The the end, because I heard it was this intellectual sci-fi thing. And we're moving along through the story. And I thought, okay, there's there's unusual things, but nothing that was really cerebral. And then we get to the end and just, wow, there was a lot to digest that I'm still sort of sorting through exactly what what happens and what that means and, and what this film is is attempting to say possibly not ready so, to see that movie i've spoiled so, myself on it and i know that it's not for me okay i wrinkle and wrinkle in time is on my list um do you want to maybe take the kids out to see that and if i if I have time, if I can get out to sort of the smaller arts theater, Thoroughbreds is playing that just came out last weekend. And that was one of my trailer picks from the Saturday matinee. And that is, a oh gosh, sort of a dark teen comedy that just is sort of right where I, I'm living right now because I've got two teenagers and it's something that... Yeah, I'm sort of living in that world of Ladybird with uh, mm-hmm. drama and anxiety yep. and, and fun times, and you, you've you've got to laugh at the at the tragedy sometimes. So, sure. uh, something I, I may take my older daughter to go see is sort of like you know, last couple of films before she heads off to college in the summer. Right. So, right. But I am also very much looking forward to Ready Player One after yes. reading some of the reviews coming out of South by Southwest. That uh, I think that this. Uh, there's there's no need for the the doubt uh, of the quality of this film, so I'm very much looking forward to that one. Yeah, I agree. Listeners, we do appreciate you, and if you haven't already, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps other film fans discover us, and we hope you will help them discover us because there's nothing more thrilling than discovering a group of like-minded fans online. It's like finding a new home or maybe a new dance school where you can embrace El Corazon. 
<laughs> Once you've found us, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter for assorted film geekery posts during the week. And or even better, you can help us by supporting us as a patron on patreon.com slash the next reel. But the best thing you can do is go watch a movie with a friend and sit down and have a conversation about it. And if it's one that's been discussed by us on any of our shows, let us know. We love hearing from you. Hondo. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.